Hey, every Thursday. <clears throat> um, normally I'm a lot perkier and I'm, you know, more bubbly and yay, we have interesting things to talk about. And we do, we have interesting things to talk about, but I am not even going to lie. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. <laughs> the last uh, week and a half has been really rough for me. And I don't say that lightly. I'm somebody who's been an activist for a while now. And, you know, I spent four years trying to <clears throat> help mobilize the base and fight Trump and all of that. So when I tell you I'm tired, that it's it takes a lot. It takes a lot to make me tired. You know, I'm a lawyer. I went to law school. And I remember they sat us all down in the beginning of that. And they gave us this stern lecture about how, you know, more than half of us would be divorced by the time it was done and we would all gain weight or lose weight. And then they just stressed that it was, you know, it was a marathon and not a sprint. And I remember I used to tell myself at different stages, you know, don't run to step 285 when you need to be on step five. And so that was a really great lesson that I learned in law school about putting each step in the place it needed to be, not borrowing trouble before you needed to. And and staying, you know, eye on the prize. So I'm somebody who's pretty pragmatic in that sense, pretty, pretty good at doing those things. And let me tell you, <clears throat> I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked about what's going on and the state of things and what we're headed into. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are having a hard time too, because we've been dealing with, you know, a couple years of a pandemic now. I, I know I'm suffering with long COVID um, side effects. They're getting better every day. And I'm grateful for that. And I've started really focusing on taking care of myself. And that's helped tremendously. Like I've stopped drinking as much red wine. That's helped. But, you know, I, all of us are suffering, even if you haven't had COVID recently or you don't have long COVID, everybody's dealing with things. And we record highs of mental illness that we're not addressing. You know, people feel more, more alone than ever. And this is all coming on the heels of, you know, four years of Trump where we lived in this state of, you know, hurry up and panic. Like what's coming next? What's coming next? This It's this collective PTSD. I'm not saying PTSD to minimize Anybody who's out there who is suffering actively from PTSD right now, I want you to know that I have been diagnosed with that at times in my life. My life, I understand what that means, but there is this sense of collective shell shock that we are all dealing with that's affecting us tremendously. And you know that's part of the whole intention of the Republican Party, that this current GOP, whatever you want to call it, whatever they are. It's their intention to tire everyone out, to exhaust everyone to the point where they can move past things. Um, I think the most frustrating aspect of this for me has been, you know, knowing what was coming with the Supreme Court, knowing at each confirmation what was coming, knowing when I watched Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett openly lie and say that they understood Roe v. Wade to be president. Um, and that they understood what that meant. And I, and I knew they were lying and I knew what they were doing it. And I knew where we were headed. And I still had to keep the faith and say, oh, it's not going to be bad. I think that the shock right now for some people who really, truly didn't think this day could ever come is probably a little worse. Although 
I have to tell you, I, I've been stunned this whole week. I've been just stunned, not knowing how I feel, like breaking into tears randomly. And then, you know, stupidly before I started today's podcast, normally I listen to like some songs to pump myself up and get myself energetic and all that. And I stupidly started listening to the judge, the judge. Oh God. Naomi, may she rest. I love them. I love the Judds. Uh, they remind me of my Mimi and my mom and my family. And I just, I adore them. And so I stupidly put that on. So I've been crying. I've been stressing out. And I think we're all at this point where we just, we don't know what to do with things. So today I'm going to discuss the practical, the legal ramifications of what we're looking at. I'm going to talk to you about what is happening, what we're going to be dealing with, all of those things. but. I just want to take a minute now and talk to you about just sort of how I'm feeling. And if I'm feeling this way, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm the eternal, like, you know, the best way to get me galvanized is to tell me I can't do something because I've never met anybody who's more stubborn than I am. And I am, I'm at my limit. I'm not saying I'm not going to get it together. I'm not going to show up. I will absolutely. But this is, this is like a sucker punch. And so when that happens, I think we all need to, you know, just take stock of what's happening. Um, the other thing I need to warn you about is because I've been listening to the judges, and also I went to law school in Oklahoma and I spent three very stressed out years surrounded by conservative people, people as one of the only liberals. And so whenever I get really angry, this twangy accent comes out. And so if I'm pissed, it, it'll start happening. So that is no doubt going to come into play while we're talking. So if I suddenly, you know, go full on hillbilly, just, just roll with it. I'm just, it just means I'm pissed. I can't, I can't help it. And I don't care to try anyway. So, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, this struggle I've had, you know, I've been actively, I've been an activist for pro-choice human women's rights my whole life. And I've, I've been on the front lines of it since law school. You know, I was the president for the National Organization of Women for the state of Oklahoma, which was not a popular thing to be. I mean, I stood with a group of my closest friends on Oklahoma City street corners with now rounds that said, keep abortion legal in front of like the lone Planned Parenthood. So, I mean, I've done the work. I've been in the scary places. I, I've I've done it when the threat wasn't as real as it is now. And so to now be at this point after working so hard to advance so many things, I, I just, I am so frustrated. And Alito's draft, the way it relies so much on ar- archaic terminology and laws that, you know, are just so outdated by hundreds of years that's even more offensive. I I just, so anyway, um, you know, I, I, I've been sleeping a lot more than I normally have. I, I think that's everybody, right? I think everybody's been feeling that way. I don't know if it's like a physical depression that my body has to go through or the shock or whatever. I don't know if it's just what my body needs extra sleep because I'm, you know, still healing from this long COVID. I don't know. And normally I push myself because especially in times of, you know, we got to act now. But this last time I've realized, you know, I'm no good to anybody if I'm not well. And the best way to fight your enemies is to live your best life and to be healthy, and to be as happy as you can be. So I I don't know how we're going to do what we need to do. I don't know 
how I'm going to maneuver each thing I'm going to do to fight against what they're trying to do to our human rights. But I do know that I'm going to take extra care of my physical body because it is worn down. And that is the first step is sort of admitting that you can't do it all and that you have pushed yourself too hard and that you need to really rest up for a second. You know, we have, there's a protest this Saturday that hopefully the whole country will be participating in. And that's really great. And and that's really good. And that's a good first step. I'm seeing this as a jumping off point for us to sort of get organized and see how we need to do things. If you want more information on how you can get involved in your city, um, go to my Shiro newsletter, shiro.substack.com. It's the last article I've just done. And it, it gives you links to different places. I will recommend that you find these locations without necessarily signing up to protest if you don't need to. And I'm saying this because we've hit the stage of the game where, you know, the data collection on us could get dangerous. I mean, I had to tweet yesterday that women should delete their period and their fertility apps. So uh, that's pretty overcautionary at this point, but also it's not because we have so many states like Louisiana enacting these insanely restrictive laws that that implement criminality on women who are just trying to, um, you know, assert their reproductive health rights and get basic health care. So that's that's just where it is. Let's be honest. Um, the other thing I want to really talk about is this feeling that we all get a feeling like, you know, nothing is helping, it's not working. And it certainly doesn't feel that way right now. But the, the reality is the alternative isn't, isn't an option either. So, you know, I think that because everybody is so stunned and because the Alito draft leaked in a way, it really caught everyone off guard. Even those of us who have been preparing for what is coming and who have been telling people Roe is going to be overturned. This is what's going to happen. You know, this is why we protested Kavanaugh. This is why we protested basically a handmaiden, (laughs) Amy Coney Barrett. You know, we knew what was coming. Uh, I I remember in law school, and this was like in the 2000s, I remember having a conversation with this really liberal guy, more liberal probably than I am. And he was saying to me that he wanted to, he wasn't going to vote for Obama because he wanted to really push things to the left. And the only way to do that was to keep things going in such a bad way to the right that it would force everybody to wake up. And I remember saying to him, "Um, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is at risk. We can't do that. We can't Susan Sarandon this, bro, because, you know, we're, we're going to lose those seats. And it's, it's too critical. And it's a lifetime appointments. And he was like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is like the smartest guy in law school. It hadn't even occurred to him. So, so that means that just everybody out there, I, I guarantee you a lot of people, even smart, active, you know, people who, who know what's what, they haven't really, really been thinking about the ramifications of the Supreme Court because it's easy to forget about. And if you're not trained in the law and you don't understand how law is made and how things are done, you're not looking ahead those 20 steps at how it's going to go down. And I'm going to talk about how this possible decision could impact rights across the board, too. I mean, this isn't going to be just about abortion, even though Alito tries to say that it's confined within abortion. Um, It looks like I have a caller here. Let's see. Let's take a call. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. 
Caller, go ahead. Just unmute your button. Hi. Uh, hello. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, uh, I just uh, so I'm sorry to hear about your long COVID. So I wish you get better sometime. Thank you. Thank you so much. What uh, um what do you want to say? Yes, uh, just a quick uh, thought, uh, a quick question, actually. Uh, sure. So, uh, regarding abortion, I, I don't understand uh, exactly. It seems to me like the, the Catholic Church is like the main uh, driver for anti-abortion around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but here in the United States, I don't think that the Catholic Church is that much strong. It's so, because uh, it's... Yeah, yeah, let me answer that for you. Yeah. It is, but it's hidden. It's hidden in an organization called the Federalist Society. So this is like a really prominent organization that law students and lawyers, conservative law students and lawyers take part in. And they all help to get each other appointed to certain judgeships so that they're controlling law, they're making law, and there's a heavy Catholic base in that. And they've been working for the past three decades more than since the 80s to overturn Roe systematically to use every every they've been working on this for years and years and years what we're seeing now is the culmination of a very long strategic plan so you're not going to see the catholic church standing out in front of this like you would possibly in other countries but they're they're behind a lot of it and they're underneath a lot of it and they have been using their their churches to kind of fill people with the dogma that, you know, that it's murder and all of these other things that then help create these other activists that go out. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, it, it answers, yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you too, bye-bye. Bye. Let's see, we have another caller here. I'm going to try to figure this out. Okay, Gregory, you're my next caller. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Hey. Hi. Okay. How are you? I'm well, you know. I'm here. Uh, so, How are you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that happened, but I also do have some I don't know. It's I guess it's a a, a person of two minds of something. Mm -hmm. I I don't I guess I would say everybody's a, probably a high percentage of people are against abortion at a certain point, you know, what that time frame is, is individually for each person. You know, some people might say it's one month. Some people might say it's three months. I know there's a the few that say it's at conception. Um, well, but, right now I the mean, Supreme court pretty much says it's at three months. It's a three month trimester yeah, thing. So barring, know. you know, two States that allow it up until the point of, you know, of, of nine months, three months is, is a good standard to just go by as the established law of the land, because that's where we are right now. Yeah. And, and I understand that. And I, I remember reading something about, I can't remember which judge it was. And he went down to, uh, was it Bethesda, Bethesda medical and talked to them forever to kind of try to get an idea of where they were going to put a time frame on it. But it is a tough topic in that sense to certain people. And so I can see how you have on uh, both sides, you know, mm -hmm. people angry about it. And, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think the big issue that's happened from this, when everybody's pointing fingers and that is like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she could have resigned under Obama. And no, she I'm not, I'm not was, even, you know what, Gregory, Gregory, stop. I'm not even going to entertain yeah. this. Let me tell you why. 
Go ahead. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was hoping to be replaced by our next female president in 2016. At that point, she wasn't ill. At that point, everything was fine. She had beat the cancer. Everything was great. We were all hoping to have our next female president. So that didn't happen. And she realized that she had to live through four years of Trump. I'm not going to go through this. She should have resigned because it wouldn't have changed anything. She would have had to resign under Trump. And that wouldn't have gotten us anywhere. But, but so don't I have think, a really hard time with that. No, I understand that. I, I'm saying I not saying she had to resign under Trump, but I'm saying that I mean they did say that uh, that the Obama administration did talk to her about resigning sure. under him, I'm so sure. that she could they could replace her at the time. I'm and sure. And she definitely felt that she she. But I mean, there was a lot of options out there who would be an equal replacement to her. I'm not saying she wasn't I'm, brilliant. You know what? Um, and they wouldn't have gotten them through because look at what they did with with Gorsuch and look at what they did with Ob- or yeah with Gorsuch and Obama and how they stalled him and how they didn't let him have his nominee. So no, even no, if she I, had I, agreed, I even if she had agreed with whatever Obama was saying and 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 taken their suggestion, which you know no male people do, but let's say she did that. It, it wouldn't have gone yeah. through anyway. She was in a total catch twenty two. Hindsight's twenty twenty as well, but she no, there was I, a real pickle. That. Yeah, and so I have a but really I, I hard time first, going back to I think RDG in the first when when I read the thing, they said in the first administration is when they approached her, and she said no way. And so I mean, I agree what they did with and you know, they would have Merrick blocked Garland him in the totally first wrong. administration. They blocked him at every but, turn, and they made up every excuse for why they needed to, and they had know, the majority I don't think to they could do have it. Held it after he won the. I, I don't think they could have held it after he won so handily in the second. I never thought Mitch McConnell second, could do. Yeah. I never thought Mitch McConnell could do half of the things he's done already. They twist no, whatever I, they I need know. to twist. They would have done it. They would have I, blocked I'm just saying, it. These guys need to really, really think about in certain terms of when they are going to resign. That's well, all. I'm, I'm not Breyer, saying it wasn't sure, perfect. You know? I, know. I think Breyer got the memo it's, on that. And I think, yeah, you know, exactly. and I, I'm glad about that. Um, I'm glad yeah. he's made the decision. Because I, I agree. If he, he if he waited till after this November, yeah, there could have been a problem. You know, yeah. I mean, but again, I feel like we're having a discussion about something that doesn't really advance us because we're talking about coulda, shoulda, woulda. It, you know, and I it's know. not going to change anything we're doing at this point. It's sort of like, what at are we going to do I, now? I'm just, I'm hoping the lessons have been learned. It looks like they have. What I, guess I, mean, I'm at. I don't think, I think with Supreme Court justices, let me tell you, it is my, my mother is a retired judge and my grandmother used to call her your Henri. And she used to say there was this thing called judge itis <laughs> where they just, they get into this mode of having to be, be the decider and having to like control it and having to go. And they, they take on this aura. It, they need to, in order to do their job, in order to have the authority that they have. And so I can't even imagine what it must be like for a Supreme court justice who's, yeah. who's lived with life tenure. Right. And that kind of like, you know, privilege and that kind of put up in that way. And they are the end all. And then it must be really hard to like, let that go. It must be really hard to step down from that. I mean, I'm somebody, I think about retirement just for myself and I don't want to do it because I see how a lot of people, when they retire, they slow down and like life is kind of over. Right. So I could see how that would filter in. I mean, there's a lot of, it must be very, very different. The, the level of hubris it takes to get to that position and then the the level of humility it must take to step down and to do that timing right. I don't know what that's like. Hopefully I'll, ne- I'll never know what that's like. So I, 
I don't know, but I, it looks to me like Briar's figured it out and I appreciate that. Yeah. I do appreciate that. So, but that's, I appreciate your point. I, I, I don't like to, I'm protective of my RBG, you know, but, um, I appreciate your point and I appreciate you calling in to talk with me about it. I'm not, I'm not easy to talk to right now. <laughs> I know, everybody's high tense right now and oh like i said gosh. it's hard i it, it's a it's a difficult situation everybody's having right now i mean right. and it's on both sides i mean i know people who are anti-abortion right now and they're going we don't need this fight in america right now we have so many other issues that exactly. just doesn't seem like you know and well, i and i do and agree, I get it. And hey we thing. do need to have this conversation better but right we're right, not, right. You know, and i and that's the thing i respect a woman's right to say abortion is not for her and to have the child and to put the child up for adoption or to do whatever she wants to do, which is why I fight for choice. I just have an issue with any other person telling any other woman what decision is right for her. So I argue that every woman should have the freedom to make that choice for themselves. And I'm not going to impose my will or my rights or me thinking what's best for somebody onto somebody else. And so that's, that's, and that to me seems like the, the most honest, freest way to let people live and let live. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a common sense thing of like, try not to get involved in everybody else's life. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Good That's luck. Should be. Good luck when you're doing with the church, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Gregory. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Much. Take care. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Okay. Next we have Liz. Um, Liz, I'm going to ask you to unmute, but I'm also going to say, are you there? Liz? I'm you, here. There you are. Okay. Hang on for a second. Cause sure. I'm going to do a little rant. Okay. So here's, Here's what I think has been really affecting me the most this week. I don't know if you tuned in and you heard the beginning of our conversation. And, and you know, I was talking about fatigue. And I know you have fatigue. We've talked about this. But I think that the biggest, the biggest knife in my back right now feels like my human rights are being taken away from other white women who are fighting this battle for men and they're doing their work for them. And they're not stopping to think about the bigger picture, which is if you regulate birth and you regulate reproduction, you regulate the economy. And the whole thing is done to keep women in place and subservient and making less money and to keep control of the economy. So, and I get that some people are incapable of going that far, you know, with the argument of, but it's a baby. Well, it's not a baby. We've established that scientifically. A fetus is not a baby. And the Supreme Court has established that a fetus is not a human being until a certain point of viability. So, you know, I I think my biggest frustration this week, too, has been all the times I've thought about, you know, my friend uh, from childhood that I've known since I was seven years old, who's a devout Christian who got pregnant at 18 and had an abortion against her religion, against all of it. And I didn't tell anybody and she didn't tell anybody. She didn't even tell her future husband. And she proceeded to vote in her husband's interest for the time after that voted, you know, voted, has voted Republican all along in his interest. You know, this military wife likes to believe that she's this image of something that she's not. And it's like, she had that 
ability to have that abortion. She had that freedom, but she couldn't care less about anyone else having that safe protection, that legal freedom. And it's so selfish and it's so hypocritical. And it makes me so angry, (laughs) especially considering that, you know, she has daughters. I just think, what does she think she's going to do? She has money so she can, you know, bypass the certain laws. I don't, I don't understand it. I just don't understand. It's like women making decisions that they're so in denial about and so not okay about that are so contrary to their beliefs that they can't even acknowledge that they've made the decision or that other women might be hurting and in that position and need to make that decision. And that decision could actually be the better thing for them. You know, it was the actual better decision for her and, and yet she couldn't deal with any of it. So I've just been thinking a lot about the hypocrisy and how much white women are letting us down as a gender in terms of advancing. It's always white women that are dropping the ball and voting in their man's interest. And, you know, God, like I was telling Gregory, I fight for women to have the right to be whatever they want and to have the rights they deserve to have. And if a woman wants to live a traditional life and wants to stay at home and wants to, you know, live like she's in the 1950s, God bless enjoy. Just don't be a dick and don't hurt anybody. Fantastic. Go do it. I support you. It's this idea that other women are so intimidated by the fact that that society might expect something of them, that they're so scared to do, like they may have to have a profession or something. And that's not what we're saying. You can be whatever you want to be. You can work as little or as if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where you don't have to work and you can stay at home and and your full-time job is raising your kids. That's a privilege. That's wonderful. Good for you. There's nothing more important than doing that. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I would never, ever tell one of my female friends that it's wrong for her to be a housewife. It's wrong for her to want to take care of her husband and her family. And that, you know, certain things that have seemingly evolved are wrong. If they're right for her and she is happy and she's a good person, great. But why this need to come in and pull all the rest of us down and keep our gender from advancing economically, socially, all of it? Why are you doing the dirty work for men? I've had it. I just had it. That's where I am. Hi, Liz. How are you? <laughs> Liz, unmute. Rant I am over. okay. I am okay, aside from um, agreeing with everything you just said and, and waking up every day for the last week plus, realizing that my 20-something nieces have maybe coming this Monday because the next day for opinions coming out is this coming Monday from yeah, the I don't Supreme think, Court. I don't think it's going to drop this Monday, I think. But every every day that there's yeah. an opinion coming out. You oh, know, yeah, it's like my, it's hanging over our heads for sure. And they're going to have less rights than I do. And in the history of this country, that has not ever happened. They won't even know what that means. They don't even understand the concept of what that looks like. They don't. My nieces do. No, they don't understand the concept of not being able to, like, not having access to plan. Oh, yeah. No, they don't. They They don't. They don't. don't. And that being a crime, they don't. It's it's like we're, uh, uh, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. I had to to text one of my nieces who, by the way, is incredibly articulate and, um, um, just super intelligent. She's, she is smart enough to be in a PhD program in biomedical engineering 
and cancer research, but apparently is not capable enough to determine whether or not she wants to have children. It I, it, it baffles my mind. It boggles well, my brain. And I, I have to that. send her a list. That. What do you mean? She doesn't she doesn't know yet if she wants to have kids? No. I mean okay, that choice that is being I'm no, that choice is being taken away from her. Oh, you're saying she That's no longer I mean. will have the right. Okay. That's what I was afraid of because that, that came out that didn't make sense. Sorry. Okay. You didn't okay? mean for that to come out. No. She's smart enough to be a PhD. Right, right. but she doesn't program. have the right to make her but own decisions. She doesn't over have her body. the right to decide when yes. and what happens to her body. Amen. I sent her a list of states that she is not allowed to live and work in. I, I said, you are not allowed to live in Tennessee, Texas, <laughs> Missouri, and, and specifically why. Right. And, and she's, she calls me crying and saying, I'm so thankful that you, my aunt, and other women like you are fighting for my rights because we don't know what to do. I know. And that's, I think that gets us back to the point that I was talking about earlier, which is, you know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. And. I think that the timing could not be any worse. We are at the we are at the two year mark of a pandemic, two years plus, millions of lives lost. We are sick. We are we are mentally ill as a, as a culture from what we've been through. We are exhausted. We are isolated, and um, we and now run down. Well, and, and we've now been we're run, even more well, devalued. We, yeah, but we've been run down for four years of Trump. And this is yep. their intention. This is their intention to shell shock people. And it, it's literally animalistic strategy. They're trying to shell shock people and exhaust them. And so this was sort of my point of, you know, I can't figure out my mindset of how I'm going to proceed in the work I'm going to do to fight for this until I... I have an understanding of how I'm going to take care of myself because, you know, for four years, I just, I ran myself ragged because I felt like, oh, democracy's on the line. There's a finish line. There's a, you know, it's four years. I'll pace myself within the four years. And quickly after Biden was elected, I, I'm relieved. I'm glad. I feel like there's somebody on the watchtower, but it's certainly not going to fix all of our problems. And, you know, cinema and mansion have, have made it painfully clear that certain self-interests are going to keep us from advancing, you know, the massive social safety nets that we need. So I, I and the other thing that really scares me, Liz, thank you for listening to me vent, by the way, <laughs> is that I feel like so many people got involved for the first time in politics, you know, because they were so offended by Trump and they they actually wanted to make a difference. And they were so proud of the last presidential election and what we were able to achieve with our slim majority. And I kept thinking they don't, they don't understand. They don't know that this is so slim, that right. this is going to, this is going to be tenuous at every point. And every time it doesn't work in our favor, people aren't going to understand. And the people who stepped up for the first time and got active are going to go, well, what's the point? You know, I, right. I, I worked hard for the first time. It didn't matter because they don't understand that it's this long slug haul. Like democracy is a very slow ship that takes a very long time to correct. And it's created like that for a reason. It's it, the safeguards are there on the flip side. But it, it, people who want things done now, who want to vote for people like they vote on The Voice, you know, who who don't understand, you know, long term political strategy and how this has to happen. I'm really worried about their burnout factor. You know, if, well, if I'm burnt out, what are they feeling? 
And and I we are feeling burnt out, absolutely, but we still put one foot in front of the other. And th- sure. and this is why people like us, the boomers, the Gen Xers, <laughs> who the mantle of women's rights was passed to us from our mothers and our aunts and our grandmothers that fought for the rights that we have, it is now our job to educate, inform, motivate the women who don't understand. I mean, Liz, when when I I was on that street corner in Oklahoma holding that now round, you know, and scared that people were going to take their guns off their gun racks in their trucks and shoot at me. When I was standing there, I knew that things could get worse. And so that's why I was doing what I was doing. But I never imagined that we wouldn't advance that we wouldn't evolve because I knew that the more we educated ourselves as women, the more money we made as women, the more we advanced ourselves, the more power we would have. And I knew that 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 was going to ultimately win out, even though it was this narrow thing of women wanting to stay left back in the 50s and women wanting to advance. I never in a million years could have imagined that we would be in this place. And I think that that we're fighting each other. Right. And that, and I'm saying that, that's, and you, I know, and I'm, I know. I'm somebody who's always like, Hey, look down the road, that's going to happen. And I, I'm still in a state of this, like people do not understand what is fixing to happen in this post. They don't, you know, I, mean, I was to the oral arguments. I was, I was, I was five just, years old when women got the right to have their own dang credit card. Uh, right. Right. My mom was telling me about that. She was telling me that like you had to have a man sign for you and stuff. A woman could not have her own credit card. A woman had no financial status. And Roe has existed my whole life. So I I am, when I was listening to the Supreme Court arguments and everybody was so focused on viability, I was just sure the way they were going to go at this was to strike down the viability timeline and to reinforce, you know, these 15 week, six week bans. That's what I was sure was coming. That's right. That's what I was sure was coming. I was like, they're going to, they're going to rearrange viability. They're not going to completely over, overrun precedent. And they're going to, you know, this is what's going to happen and it's going to be bad, but I never in a million years thought they would push it to this extreme. And, And there's an argument to be made that by pushing it to this extreme, we're actually, it's going to help us because 70% of the country believes in some form of safe legal abortion at some level. So it's like, okay, well, did you really want to do this now? Did you really want to start this war? Because it's not one you're going to win. The problem is if you take the 70% of us and you look at us right now, all long covid and tired and and Trump strung out and still having to deal with that ass hat doing his rallies and Dr. Oz now and like the ongoing crap. And on top of that, our, our autonomy has been taken away. So we're now having to focus on like creating all of these. There's some background noise going on there, Liz. Not me. Yeah, it was you. Okay. <laughs> you muted. Good job. So um, anyway, I, I just uh, and now we're all going to be so focused in making sure that women do get the care they need and the plan B that they need, no matter how we have to do it. And it just divides us. They're dividing and conquering. And we've got so much more to do. It's like, you know, we had so we had so much more to accomplish. Uh, I, I would still appreciate an equal fair pay law. 
that was that was stronger. And now I've got to worry about like sneaking plan B to kids in colleges, like on some kind of underground shipment situation, like it's pot and I can't get caught because I'll be criminally charged. What the F, you know, you can unmute. <laughs> I, I do know. And then I, I worry about one of the things that I, I'm is heavily on my mind is people that have very, very good intentions that are right now buying up all the plan B's right, right, that right, expired right. that are now right. making shortage because right. young people that actually might need it can't yeah. get it. Exactly. And, For the and record, everybody out there who's listening, do not stockpile Plan B. Do not buy any Plan B that you do not intend for immediate or near immediate use because it's actually going to hurt access for women who need to get to it. We will formulate a plan. Stockpiling is not the option. This ain't baby formula. So just to put that out there, everybody, stockpiling anything right now is a no-go. We have to figure out how we're going to organize and how we're going to do things. And so everybody just taking it upon themselves to do this or do that is not a good idea. Which leads Well, and this me Saturday. To, yeah. This, this that, Saturday is exactly. huge. This Saturday is huge. And this Saturday is a great way to get involved. And it's a great first step because I think we're going to be able to see some turnout numbers. We're going to be able to see if we need to get people more involved. We're going to be able to figure out how we need to, to organize. Um, and I like, you know, just to let you know, I like Ultraviolet. They're a great organization. I, I list a couple of other in my Shiro things. I am not a fan of the Women's March. I have a couple reasons for that. I don't like to disparage other people's groups or what they're doing. I personally um, just don't focus my work with them. I'm focused with Planned Parenthood. I go to the source. And um, so I encourage everybody to go to my Shiro website, shiro.substack.com. And you know what? I intended to get to a whole breakdown of what the Alito draft said and the, the legal implications of that for case law moving forward and what that's going to do to rights not enumerated in the Bill of Rights specifically. But I didn't actually get a chance to do that. So that means that I will probably just host an impromptu show tomorrow. And I will um, have like a follow up on this where I discuss what <laughs> the Alito draft, the, the most salient and obnoxious points of the Alito draft and, and what those are going to do down the line to affect um privacy rights in general. Uh, this is far. Alito makes a point to say in his draft that, it, that this is restricted to abortion, but it's not. It's it's so easy to see where the court can leak out and disperse this to many other rights, including going after Obamacare at the state level, which is our health care, which it, it, that has great popularity. So things can devolve very quickly. So I'm going to ask that you tune in again tomorrow. Um, I will host another um, Shiro podcast at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and, you know, you can call in live then ask me questions. We're going to that'll be more where we go over the actual what's contained within the Alito draft and then what that means for precedent and law moving forward. And so that'll be a good chance if you have any questions about, you know, what could happen or what this means. Or if you have any questions about protesting and things that you need to be aware of to make sure you're doing it legally, you can ask me then. Also, you should just head on over to shiro.substack.com and read my latest article because it has a great link to the ACLU, which gives a breakdown of all of your First Amendment rights. One last thing, if you are protest when you protest this Saturday, just keep in mind my DMs on Twitter are open. They're open all the time. And I'm going to make myself available to answer any legal questions anybody might have. So if you are stuck at a protest and you see something happening, 
that you don't think is right, you can contact me and I will be instantly responding to those and giving out um, advice on what you can do and who you can contact to protect yourselves. So, uh, you know, be sure to head on over to Twitter and check that out. I'm at Girls Really Rule. And come on back tomorrow, 3 p.m. We'll talk again. Hopefully I'll be in a better mood. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And thank you to everyone who called in. You guys had great questions. Sorry, I was a little hard on you, Gregory. Um, I got a little defensive with the RBG, but you, you had a very good point. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.